As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am Mark Lazarus. I am joined by Scott Powers. We both write for The Athletic, which has now been around for six years. Scott, happy anniversary. Ah, thank you. As the, you. You've been here, what, now three? Three and a, three and a half years, yeah. yes. September, eight, so September of 18th. But uh, I think I might have been one of the first like four or five subscribers you guys had because I felt sorry for you at the time. I appreciate so. that. Thank I, you. I threw like 10 bucks your way. It was, I think yeah. it, was like 10, it was like 10 bucks a month at the beginning, right? Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for just you, Sahadov and Greenberg, they wanted 10 bucks a month. Can you believe that? And, it, and I wasn't even credentialed to fuck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. The Blackhawks, you know, you'd been covering them for like uh, five or six years at that point, whatever it was. They wouldn't even credential you because what the hell is the athletic? Yeah. So, no, it's, uh, yeah, the fact that we uh, survived that last, I guess the first year was, you know, like an accomplishment of itself. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we wouldn't be where we are without you and everyone else who followed. So, like, it was, it was survival mode. And then obviously, Oh, yeah, I feel like we've been thriving. So it's, um, yeah, it's it, even now, like looking back on, you know, not to digress too much, but that, the fact that we have two beat writers, you know, like it was made me think the <laughs> other day, like it was just, it was such a, I, I they didn't go into this thinking that the Blackhawks beat was going to be that important. Like I went in, I was supposed to cover the Blackhawks and Bulls, and then they were going to throw me on the White Sox beat. And, <laughs> um, and then it was actually during the Cubs World Series run that they saw that the, the Blackhawks numbers were doing pretty well still, you know, like it was just, uh, and then, like, and, and then obviously they followed Toronto with Myrtle and, um, and 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 you know some some 
yeah, some other obviously large heavy hitters are much bigger than me that uh, really kind of carried the hockey load. But it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been nice to see that they saw that hockey was, you know, like they just went by the metrics and that wasn't there yeah. wasn't this other like at, at ESPN like my the numbers were decent for you hockey they just you know like the just hockey wasn't a priority and um so it was nice that they just kind of ran with what was being read and important and, and here we are so podcast number or whatever we are and uh, <laughs> hundred something I don't know yeah. So we're just going to talk about the Bears' new coach, uh, Matt Eber, <laughs> Eberfluss, Eber, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, I, I haven't been paying attention. Obviously, luckily, we have a couple of Bears beat writers. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> we can let Fishbane and Johns and Greenberg worry about that one, and God, Pompey, yeah. and uh, yeah, we got a bunch of those guys. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we can talk about the own Blackhawks GM search here, and uh, I, I think a lot of us, even even us who are somewhat tapped in, have, you know, haven't had much information, and you know, we knew that they they'd gone with the consultant, and you know, you, you hear some names here and there. But um, you know, yesterday they put out the release saying that they're um, yeah, they, they basically done with the consulting part, and they're looking to interview some people. Starting, they're going to start reaching out to people this week and start holding interviews. And Kyle Davidson will be involved, and they're going to have some some type of town hall uh, meeting next week. Um, you know, to give uh, further indication of what they're doing, but. Um, yeah, I, I, the big takeaways were, that, you know, one, they're not, they're not going to take the president and they're not going to make a president of hockey ops. They're going to just have which, a GM. Which I am absolutely shocked by, if we're yeah. being honest. I think like the whole thing was they were going to do something different, right? And they're just going to have a GM who reports to Danny Wirtz. Like it was kind of shocking that they didn't decide to break up that position. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like it, you put too many layers to it. Like it gets complicated, you know, like the, like the John McDonough, Stan Bowman, L, you know, dynamic uh, it was messed up, and it was funny. I was talking to someone yesterday about it, and 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 they said that it, that that dynamic was so so messed up, like it was just fucked up, like it was just that, that John McDonough had to know about every single transaction, and every transaction had to run through him. So, um, like it's not out of the ordinary for the GM to report to the CEO or president, whoever. It's just it, it's it's really odd for someone to have to be that hands on and to be that. Um, you know, like John McDonough always swore that he, he wasn't, you know, like, you know, fiddling with hockey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but he, but he was. And, and, and it's, but know, there was he, also Al McIsaac there. Al McIsaac oh, was kind sure, of, yeah. he was kind of the middleman between Stan Bowman and John McDonough and the Blackhawks by this setup, they're not even going to have an Al McIsaac in there kind of operating in the shadows. This is going to be a GM with a huge amount of power, basically the same amount of power that Stan Bowman appeared to have. Yeah. And, and, and the key is that, I mean, I guess, it, you know, like it, from everything I've heard behind the scenes and, and what, you know, it, it doesn't sound like Danny Wirtz wants the medal a whole lot, you know, like this is, he's going to let his hockey person do um, what his hockey person is supposed to do. And, 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 and it's, you know, like, I, I guess the one thing that some, some people brought up to me is like, what, what's Danny, how Danny Wirtz's hockey knowledge? Like where, who, how is he even deciding on, uh, who the next GM is, and and part of it was the consultant, but it sounds like it's also this this advisory committee is interesting. You know, like it's interesting to see who they put on that committee and how how that's that's run and and what comes out of that. And and, and certainly the the fact that you've had an interim GM for the last three plus months, and and you've had him, you know, Kyle Davidson, you know, working as your GM. You know, like it's not like he's been just holding pads. So I, I think there's an interesting dynamic there too. Like where where does Kyle Davidson fit in, and if he isn't the person, you know, like it's. Um, I'm curious to see how that, that all plays out. Well, I, it, it's especially because given the way that the last, you know, the way that Stan Bowman exited and all the controversy, not even controversy, just the the uh, the upheaval with the organization in the light of the Kyle Beach case, uh, you kind of thought they wanted almost like a PR figurehead in, involved. That's what we were talking a lot about, you know, having a big, a voice 
like a, a, the, the, the public face of the franchise to articulate the vision and kind of oversee the general structure of hockey ops. While then you had a, a frankly, a Kyle Davidson type, a younger, more analytically driven uh, capologist type that actually does the actual GMing. That seemed to be the logical path forward, kind of a Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas situation almost. Like that's, I think, what we all expected to see some variation of that. And when we heard all the stuff about all the Blackhawks are thinking outside the box and different kind of structures, uh, I was curious to see what that meant. And and it it, it turned out not to mean a whole lot that there's still going to be a pretty traditional model here. And I'm wondering, like, like in the limited interactions we've had with Kyle Davis, and he hasn't really been, you know, that public since taking over the job. I think he'd be fine at that part of the job. He'd be fine as a public face. He can handle that, but it would be a lot to put on a, I forget how he's early thirties guy with not a lot of public experience to be the GM, to be in the big chair and also be the face of the franchise's kind of front office. That that's a lot of responsibility. And the, the organization thinks very highly of Kyle Davidson. Do they think highly of him enough to give him that much responsibility right now? That's the, that's going to be the big question that we're apparently going to get answered before the trade deadline in March. Well, I, I guess the other part of that is too is is if if Jamie Faulkner or 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 Danny Wirtz become more vocal, which 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 hasn't been the case. Like maybe maybe they assume some of that responsibility because th- there are certainly questions to be had from Kyle Beach to. Um, yeah, just the, I, I guess what they're doing to prevent those sort of things. Like no one, Danny Words hasn't spoken since the, you know for, for a long time. Rocky certainly hasn't spoken. Uh, you know, we've had outstanding requests for Jamie Faulkner too. Like I, I think um, that's a lot to put on on Kyle Davidson if he's going to be answering all those type of questions. Right. So I, I guess if the black, you know, I, I know the, everyone says they're transparent, but so far I haven't seen a whole lot of transparency. Well, you know? nobody's like, nobody's talked since the Jenner and Block report came out, and we weren't allowed to ask questions of Rocky or Danny. Yeah. In that, so so the last time that Danny Wirtz or Rocky Wirtz answered a question from a reporter, I literally couldn't tell you. I don't remember. I think the last time Rocky was when he said that John McDonough wasn't going to be fired. Right? <laughs> to you, yeah. That was, that was at the beginning of the pandemic, right? That we're yeah. talking like April of 2020. That might be the last time Rocky Wirtz has been on the record with anything. Yeah. And and, and, I, does, I, and like you said, like, are you going to put Kyle Davidson in that spot and say, okay, go answer all the questions about the culture of the Blackhawks? Yeah. I, I think it's, if, if, if they're going to give more of a vocal role to, you know, I mean, Jamie Faulkner is the, is the president of business, op- business operations. She obviously has a lot of um yeah i mean I, she's having some power in, in in this and and she seems to have a lot of you know power within the organization and not necessarily she has to answer those larger questions cuz um i don't know if that's fair to her as well but i i think that someone either rocky or danny needs uh, they need to be the present occasionally that you know like to step in front and, and yeah. take some of this it should be um, rocky i mean it's rocky's team rocky was here in 2010 danny wasn't jamie faulkner wasn't kyle davidson wasn't i mean it rocky at some point is going to have to you know, to sit down and take it, take the questions, answer what he can do the best he can try to try to, you know, try to put a positive spin where it's like, we're, you know, we're taking this as a, as a, as a very, very hard earned lesson. And we're going to make sure that this never happens again. And this is what we're going to do. You know, that that's, that's Danny and Jamie's job. Yes. But ultimately this is Rocky's team. Ultimately Rocky is responsible for what happens in his organization. The buck stops there. And at some point, he's just going to have to sit down and answer questions about it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. At this point, I guess I'd be surprised. You know, like I, I, I don't. I'm not expecting Rocky to do it. Like I, I think feel. I feel like more control's been handed over to Danny. He certainly wasn't here uh, in 2010 in, in that sort of capacity. But he certainly he's overseen the whole 
uh, you know, how the Blackhawks have handled the lawsuits and how, you know, uh, obviously they're, they're sort of their vision and how they've made hires since. And, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I, I guess I, I'm at the point where I don't expect Rocky to talk, but I, but I think Danny, uh, especially with him taking on a larger role, I, I think, you know, for his benefit and probably, uh, you know, the relationship with the fans and certainly answering some unasked answered questions so far, I think it's important for Danny Wirtz to talk, um, yeah, I mean, soon. And then also, yeah, just kind of be present. If he's going to be more of the face of an organization in Rocky, um, that I think it's important to have those people in place so that it's not thrown on. I mean, it, it was thrown on Jeremy Colleton and the players when, when yeah. everything happened. I mean, Jeremy Colleton had to take more questions than anyone about the Kyle Beach lawsuits and, and what was occurring. And um, and that certainly wasn't wasn't fair to him, as, especially as he's coaching for his job. And, you know, the players, uh, you know, took some, yeah, certainly had to answer some tough questions. And, um, and not everyone was there. But there was, it just wasn't an opportunity to ask anyone. So, um, yeah, we'll see. You know, I, you know, obviously they're they're saying they're going to be transparent from the GM thing. You know, there wasn't much, um, you know, uh, mention of the, the the Kyle Beach stuff. I mean, they, they've said they've want to improve his organization, but I I do think there are questions that still need to be answered there. So we'll see if uh, if they'll answer those. But it, it'll yeah, I, I think Davidson from a hockey standpoint, like it's uh, you know, like we I think we both you know have heard things and 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 had you know conversations with people, and it, and it seems like everyone you know just he's. Like he has more of a understanding where the Blackhawks are at, and more of a uh, maybe honest approach to this, where Stan Bowman may have been even GM Delu- for a little job. delusional, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah or just <laughs> just just out of it, you know. Like you 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 begin spinning it so far so far, and it just uh, it felt like he was GMing for his job almost uh, for for so long, you know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, cause, uh, you know. Uh, you know, to get back to our original point about how they're just going to have a GM and not a president. I had three people yesterday reach out to me, people that want. To be president of the Blackhawks, essentially, uh, from all kinds of walks of, of the hockey world, and they were all like, "Are, are they serious? They're not. They're, they're just going to do the GM route. They're just going to have a GM." And you know, these are people that are qualified to be GMs. But like, I, I think everybody in the hockey world expected there to be a president of hockey ops and then a general manager. I think yeah. everybody saw Kyle Davidson makes sense. Keep him as GM. Put someone over him, and they're not doing that. Which a means that. It, it, it means one of two things that are wildly different. One, they really, really like Kyle Davidson. Or B, I just said one and B. <laughs> B, <laughs> Kyle Davidson has no chance at this job. And I don't know what it is. It sure seems to me like he's the favorite. It seems to me that this is his job at this point. And they're going to interview other people. And maybe they get their, their socks blown off. But they really seem to like him. And they like the job he's doing. And he's made some savvy moves already at this point. You know, he's, you know, the Sam Lafferty looks like a nice addition for for a, for a Nylander who was going nowhere. I, there seems to be some some positive uh, uh, flow for the for the organization. So absolutely, he deserves a chance at the job. I think people, and myself included, are just surprised that whoever it's going to be is going to have basically dictatorial powers the way that Stan Bowman did. Yeah, and and I, I feel like the moves so far have, have been so minor, you know, like there's so many major moves ahead coming. It's such a long and, game. I mean, you can't judge a GM for his yeah. moves until like two or three well, years. I know, I'm just saying like I, it, it's, it's such like there's so like, yeah, I guess if you're going Kyle Davidson, then it's like they're the this this next, and that's part of it too is that you you set basically this trade deadline, you know, um, deadline for the for the job. Like it just it it puts. Can you bring know, a guy I, in on March seventeenth, four days before the trade deadline? And I don't say, even know if you can bring someone in now and, and yeah. really assess what's going on. So um, it sure feels like Kyle Davidson is going to be GMing the trade deadline. It sure feels that way. Yeah, no, I, I I'd be surprised if it, if it wasn't that. And you know, and I, this I, is a this is a huge trade deadline, and we can start getting into this. I mean, there are so many people on this roster that could be moved out, 
And the difference in what you get for them and how you're able to manage those assets from Marc-Andre Fleury to Calvin DeHaan to Dominic Kubalik to, you know, Dylan Strome, there's a lot of pieces that could get you something. And mm-hmm. the difference between getting a third round pick and a second round pick is significant. The difference between getting a second round pick and a viable prospect is, you know, get, do you want to make a hockey trade and get an actual player that might help you with term? Like these are major decisions that are going to significantly affect the trajectory of the franchise and a franchise that desperately needs to be pushed in the right direction because it's been kind of run aground for the last several years. This is a very important two month stretch here. And they're going to be potentially interviewing Kyle Davidson's replacement as he manages it. It's 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 a dicey proposition, and if they can pull it off, more power to them. But it's not going to be easy to make these next two months work in every facet. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I wonder if, if some of these people end up hiring or end up interviewing become positions other, you know, like in elsewhere in the hockey ops. Like they, they've talked about, you know, still restructuring that um at the end of the day, I, I, I'd expect Kyle Davidson to be GM. I, I expect Ryan Campbell to become an assistant GM. I expect Megan Hunter probably to become an assistant GM. Yeah. Um, you, you know, maybe, maybe the other assistant GMs currently maybe stay in place. And, 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 you know, who says you can't have too many assistant GMs, you know, like you, they certainly, you know, Ryan Stewart and uh, Mark Eden, they have, you know, like they have their specific uh, departments that they can lead. But you know, I mean, you, we, we everywhere that Kyle Davidson is these days, Brian Campbell's right there too. So oh my god, yes, he, he's become you know, he's become his uh, he's his consigliere, really. Like yeah, for like sure, it's yeah. interesting. I, I I've I've been wanting to write about it for a while now, but like Campbell's kind of a low key guy, and I don't I don't think he wants until something is really set in stone. I get the feeling that they just don't want to like you know paint him with any kind of brush at this point. But he really has been the right hand man. Like you said, everywhere Kyle Davidson goes, every road trip, Brian Campbell is on almost every single road trip. And they they watch the morning skates together. They watch the games together. They're talking in the hallways together. Like Brian Campbell has this really interesting background where he's a player, but the last few years he's been kind of bounced around the organization where he's been done a little scouting and he's done a little business side of things. Like they're really grooming him to be uh, an important piece of the franchise going forward. And uh, I do think you're right that he's basically going to be the top assistant general manager for Kyle when all this is said and done. And 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 that's another thing that I've learned about Kyle Davidson and one you know doing the story on him last season was that he. Uh, his background was, you know, like he came up through the organization and, and, you know, he was, you know, did analytics and he did, uh, you know, the cap cap stuff. But it was also that he put in the time to um, to learn hockey. Like he 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 went out and scouted games. And I know Norm McIver became, uh, you know, kind of a mentor to him and, and really helping him with that. And uh, I, I think 
you know, one of the things that I've noticed, at least just from talking to people and, and in my own interactions, is that Stan Bowman always seemed like he knew everything. And he always kind of talked to you at times like, you know, like you didn't know what you're talking about. He knew, yeah. like he explained hockey to you. And and it sounds like, you know, Kyle Davidson is willing to be like, I don't know that. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take Brian Campbell and ask him and, and someone right. who's, you know, who's played the game. And, 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 and that's an element that's difficult sometimes is that you're not necessary that if you didn't. In, that if you are an NHL player doesn't mean you, you you can't be a GM or a coach or or any of those things. But um, but also surrounding yourself with people you know who you trust that you know, that maybe have a different insight and a different knowledge, uh, you know, a, a knowledge set than than you have. And I feel like that's with, with Brian Campbell. That's just the um, you know one he one he's been that player, but he's also and I'm not a player not that long ago, but also now that he's he's kind of diversified himself and been worked in development and and coaching in Rockford and certainly been around the NHL team too. So. I think that's you know like it's it's more of a sign of that Davidson kind of realizing that I need someone like this on my side too. So um, it kind of speaks to I think some of how he learns and how he also you know just prepares for things and makes decisions. Now I, I want to preface this by saying like like you pointed out earlier like Kyle Davidson is not Stan Bowman. He's not like Stan Bowman Jr. who's been raised to think the Stan Bowman way by Stan Bowman. So you know I think most people after what went down over the summer and in the fall expected a complete break for the organization where they would just start fresh, clean house, bring in all new people, all new faces, nobody who is part of that Blackhawks organizational culture. Uh, but we're going to wind up here potentially as we're talking about it, with Stan Bowman's right-hand man as the GM and a player from the 2010 Blackhawks in a major role. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't, I don't really find a problem with that. I think it's, you got to judge everyone on their own individual merits, but I am a little surprised that, Despite everything that went down, there's going to be a lot of Blackhawk continuity, uh, we we believe. I mean, a lot of things can change between now and, and March 21st, but we believe that it will still be a lot of Blackhawks continuity organization. Talk about Megan Hunter and you're talking about Mark Eaton and, 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 and all, Ryan Stewart and all these guys that, again, weren't around in 2010, but like have been part of the team over the last few years are still going to be just basically bumped up a notch here. Does that surprise you in any way? Yes, yeah, somewhat. I, I don't expect, uh, and someone actually told me, this the other day is that one of the problems with even as when if, if Kyle Davidson takes over that that there is some dead weight within the organization there are a lot of people who become complacent or just um you know like the, certainly the organization has been pretty stagnant here for a while and um you know like there weren't a lot of changes made within it even as they were losing um that part of the problem is that a lot of people are on three-year contracts and, and and some of this may have to do with contracts and how much how much changes they're actually being able you, you can make within hockey ops and and some of it might be financial too like how many people you're going to hire um you know this uh, the idea of revisioning you know um, just the, the whole idea of i guess seeing the the hockey ops in a different way i don't, I don't know how much of that is possible and um you yeah know, like when, when it comes down to it you need someone to make the call right yeah no for sure so um yeah i, I yeah no somewhat yeah i i think um i, I think it if Brian Campbell is promoted, like he, I, th I think it'd be good for him to talk at some point. And, you know, like obviously he participated in the, uh, in the general block report and, um, you know, like, uh, and, and, and I, I guess it's always gonna be difficult. I mean, there's, there's a few players who say that everyone knew, and there's, there's a bunch of players who say that's not the case. So like, it's always going to be the, you know, he said, she said, and yeah. I think that's, the, that's the challenge of that 2010 team. Um, and, and that's, yeah. And that's, I think that's maybe something if, you know, Brian Campbell is, is promoted and in, in larger role that it's something that has to be addressed. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, 
I guess this whole idea of like going to a consulting firm and and all these, you know, like you know, talking to all these baseball execs, and I, I don't know how much more you can, you know, like it, it's hockey and like it, some of it just it's it's not like you can hire a GM that's a baseball GM. Like it's just you know, like or just you can't just uh, bring Theo Epstein in here to clear. Yeah, up the I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. Like I, I think there's the ways to. Um, you can hire people. Like, I think you. I think a lot of it's about development, like personnel development, or you know, bring, bringing people in maybe um, and, and teaching them, and then you know, being able to put their own spin on things. But it's, it's hard to put people in in positions of power who aren't within. Uh, we, we aren't within the industry already, you know, yeah. like it's, I think that's, and, and it's very hard to just like completely just get rid of like 12 people. Like, like never even mind the contracts and the, and the financial aspects of like you're saying, which again, it, given the pandemic, there are financial r- restrictions that are hitting these teams, but it is hard to say, okay, we're going to hire 15 new people to run this team mid season. I mean, there are logistical difficulties and there's are reasons for continuity. And I don't know. I just found it interesting that after all yeah. of this, we're going to wind up with basically the same people in charge of the Blackhawks minus two guys. Yeah, and I, I guess the other part too is that by saying that uh, they've been doing their, their studies and all their research, but like to do this during season um, and, and you had other organizations who, who may have certainly hired people that the Blackhawks were interested. I mean, the fact that Vancouver and, and Montreal and other teams were, were hiring, like there's only so many people available during the season um and you and you gotta request you know teams the permission to talk to teams and like i i think there's just it's a limit more limited field during the season like it just it's um even now like you're you're asking team for permission and then saying like you know we're gonna hire you and we want you in place by by march because we need you to be up to speed by the trade deadline like yeah i don't know some of the uh, it just doesn't seem that realistic and it's it's a lot more challenging to find probably a larger you know just field of candidates because of that do you think that we'll see uh like like the NFL does, where the Blackhawks have interviewed so and so and so and so today, and are bringing in so and so for a second interview tomorrow. Like, um, isn't that bizarre? Not, not as much transparency. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that bizarre? How the it's just amazing to me how the NFL does that. They just announce like every interview. Like it's it's just amazing how different the culture is uh, in, in terms of that. It's just like yep. We brought him in for a 14th interview today. I, okay, well that's going to be the guy. All right. Like, Is it, it baseball it, or something that would do like media interviews too? Like after they after interviews. Yeah, like I thought there was someone that like, oh, we want you also to kind of deal with the media. Just like, yeah, and I, I, I figure it, it would never happen in hockey. Hockey's always about behind closed doors. You know, it's always, you know, you're not allowed to know about the process. I, I tell everyone who ever reaches out to me about the show, I'm like, just, just when this all goes down, you tell me what the process was like. I'm fast. I got to know. <laughs> I was, I was, actually was just reading an article uh, earlier today. It's about Everton, the um, Premier League team is is hiring a new manager, and the guy they interviewed went on to a, a TV newscast like later that day and they, like basically just explained the entire process <laughs> and who was involved in the meeting. And like he's considered a front runner and, and the article is explaining how this was the most bizarre interview ever where because he, he basically just laid out everything and he laid out what he said to them and what, you know, like their questions for him and who, yeah, it was just, it was That's something amazing. That you never see. Yeah. Um, it, it would certainly be welcome, but um, so yeah, you, you sort of, you know, we, we, you mentioned the trade deadline and I know we've been, wrestling with this ourselves where there's there's 39 games left of the season there's still <laughs> the deadline still like eight deadline. weeks away yeah <laughs> um but but it, yeah, looking at dom's probability yesterday the blackhawks had a 100 percent chance of missing the playoffs which obviously i don't think, I don't think that's mathematically accurate well right right but it, it, it's, it's it obviously <laughs> kind of says where he thinks Dom, dom's a hack is what we're saying yeah so no. um but let's talk about dylan strom huh yeah dylan strom last night had three goals and an assist. He's got, I think it's nine points he in his last eight games. Shots on goal. He was I think great. he could have scored on all of them. Yeah. He's been really good these last, you know, basically since, you know, New Year's. 
He's been playing really well. He's winning faceoffs. He he's turned himself into like a, one of the best faceoff men in the league. He's like a fifty-seven percent. He is uh, he is affecting play. He's playing fine in his own end. Nobody nobody's ever going to mistake him for a selkie caliber. No, they, they, uh, they, that line was on the ice for a couple of goals against. Last yeah, night. no, that and that's going to happen. But but he looked like the Dylan Strom of a couple of years ago. We're like, oh wow, this is a really good move by Stan Bowman to to reclaim this guy as a number. This is the number three overall pick, and you're seeing that now. And you wrote the intelligent thing to write, which is you know. This is good because it increases his trade value because obviously the Hawks have been trying to move him for a year. And I get every single reason why. You know what's funny? It's I, 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 the, the story was – it took me forever to write because I, I even battled myself. Like one, one was it was going to be a story about Kubalik and Strom – uh, being, you know, both being traded and how there's similarities between their two stories. And then Strom took over and I, and I changed the story. And then I, I began writing that Strom story. And then I was like, ah, like, he looks really good right now. Like maybe the Blackhawks, well, you know, th- th- like- this is, this is convince me, convince me. Like we all know that I'm a Dylan Strom apologist. It's been clear that like, I don't see how you get better by trading talented young players for lottery picks like like i i i mean like a like a like a figurative lottery like a second or third rounder which yeah. is like 80% of the time is going to amount to nothing like i know that Dylan Strom's qualifying offer will be 3.6 million next year i get that uh i don't i he's 24 years old he's capable of doing this and i understand look you have too many centers you've got Taves you got Doc you got Reichel and we all know that Dylan Strom is he'll not be, a, he'll be 25 in in march so. in march yeah okay so that's that's prime of your life prime of your career in the nhl I know there's too many centers. I know he can't play wing. I know he needs to be in the top six. I know it's difficult to work around that. But the fact is, when you put Dylan Strome with talented players, he produces. And the Blackhawks, what do they lack the most? It's offense. And I, every logical, rational part of my brain says, yes, you should be trading Dylan Strome. We've done, we've been down this road too many times. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on every, whatever the George Bush said. But, at, I, convince me they should trade him because I still, still don't yeah. think they should trade him. No, they should resign it, him it, and they should continue to work with him. He's becoming a better all-around player and the offense is still there. Why would you give up on someone you've invested so much time and money into? Yeah, I, I, I think it's just it, it's it, you don't know what you're going to get because he's played with good players. Like he played with good players under Carlton and, and it didn't work at times. And even this early this season, it. You know, like it didn't work. It didn't work for Derek King for a bit. Like they put him on the first, you know, the second line and they became a healthy scratch. Like they, <laughs> they, they've tried this. But he and shouldn't this have been a healthy scratch. It was stupid that they made him a healthy scratch. No, but it was I mean, arbitrary. It was, yeah, but, it, but if the, uh, I mean, this it's not like this team's been producing at all. You know, like the, the, the last night's output was was obviously extraordinary for this team. This is a team that's even even when Strom's played a top six role, they've struggled to score. And and in that case, they're obviously playing tighter games. And, and there's times where Strom becomes a liability in that. Um, and and it's funny, like it's so difficult with the, the faceoff stuff because then one at one point, like oh, Doc's faceoffs really don't matter. And then when someone's really good, like oh, this this is really such a key. <laughs> it's it's such a such a stat that can be so subjective. But yeah. you know, it's, it's obviously better to win faceoffs than not. Um, so I, I think. I think it's an easy number to cling to, and, and he's and he's better in that. He like he's certainly improved. Um, yeah, don't no, no, don't, I, you, I, don't you think I, Kirby Doc is a is a significantly better all around two way player than 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 Dylan Strom? But couldn't you just if if, you're, if the trouble is there's too many centers, why not move Doc to the wing because he can't win a face off the safety? Like like if you're a forty five percent face off guy, that's fine. He's like a thirty one percent face off guy. Like it's really bad. Make yeah. him Marion Hosa. Let him be a two-way guy who happens to play on the wing. Let him do the center duties, but from the wing. 
And then a spot opens up in your top three centers for Dylan Strom. Like this just, they've been trying to I, I think force Strom to the way. Doc isn't offensively, uh, there, there isn't enough offensive upside for Doc to be a winger. Like you need the, the way fair. that he defends and the way that, yeah, just I, I think the way he handles the puck. And I, I think, I think that's the challenge with that is that he hasn't shown enough offensively to be like, this would make sense there. Or, or a lot of his attributes, you know, like his strength right now is that he he can play against top lines and defend. And, um, you know, like it's not showing up where he, he's, he's not looking like he's great with the puck right now. It, certainly that offensive production isn't great. But on a lot of nights, they're putting up him against the top lines and allowing him, um, you know, defensively to, to, to get those minutes so um yeah i don't know i i, I think you know it, it's it, it's becoming an age where like either you're going to commit to him because i'm sure strom's going to want a long-term deal so yeah. um and and 3.6 the qualifying offer so that's you know like he may want more than that you know if you're if you're talking um you know like i don't know if he wants another i, I doubt that he would want another bridge deal you know there you know well I, I, nobody's giving him a seven-year deal at this point i think no I think for sure yeah he's, he's looking at like a three or four-year deal max no matter where he goes yeah i i, I think it, there, there's risks you know like it's just which you know basically how i started the story yesterday it's like which one's like which which down the storm are you gonna get and and when he's playing like this yeah he's worth he's worth every cent you know even with um, you know, with with some of his liabilities, like he's given you enough production that it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you you and I talk a lot about how you know players like Kirby Doc. Well, they never really produced in juniors at like a, a, that astronomical level. That the offense might never be there. Dylan Strom is a known commodity in that he is produced. He's produced in the NHL. He was almost a point a game his first full year with the Hawks, and he produced monster on that line with Debrinket and uh, and and uh, Connor McDavid, obviously in Erie. We know this is a guy that can score. And that's the thing that the Blackhawks have 950 Sam Lafferty's and only a couple of guys who can score. Yeah. And I, I, I just, if you get a, you're, you're not even going to get, you're, you're at most going to get what a third rounder for Strom. If you, if he continues to play pretty well, you might be able yeah. to get a second or a third, like a third round, fourth rounder for him. That's yeah. worthless to me. I mean, the chances of that pick hitting are so slim and you're talking about like four years from now that it does. I, I, I just don't. You don't get better by trading talented players. I guess the other challenge is, is that you have Reichel coming in as in a center, and you, and you can move him to wing. But all yeah. of a sudden, you you, you go you, you're going Taves, who's who's here for another year, and, and Doc and Strom and, and Reichel, and uh, no, I, I so. all of it makes sense to me. It's all yeah, rational no, no, and logical. No, I'm, I'm, I, I, I guess I'm even trying to talk through it. You know, kind of talk through it myself. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's tough because it's. Like yeah, when he's playing like this, like it's a no brainer. And but it's funny, like I, I think he dry like even yesterday, I think like Derek King was, you know, was asked about Strom and you know, he he talked about the upsides, but then he also like you know, then he talked about the stuff away from the puck. I yeah. think Dylan Strom drives coaches crazy to some level. <laughs> like, like, because even yesterday, like, yeah, a couple of those goals were, you know, he his lines on the ice and he's the center, so a lot of the some of that responsibility falls on him. Um so yeah, well, no, it, it's it's interesting because just a, just a, just like a month or so ago when Strom wasn't producing, but he was getting major minutes, King was raving about his – he's really worked hard away from the puck. He's become a better player defensively. Like maybe you can't get them both at the same time. I don't know. Maybe if he's being that offensive force, he's not going to be able – he doesn't have the wheels. He's not a very – he's not a great skater. No. He doesn't have the wheels to, to make up ground defensively. So if he is being extra aggressive offensively, he's going to lose pace defensively. I mean, there are trade-offs. He's not a perfect player. I don't, I, I've never meant to suggest he's a perfect player. He's just a player the Blackhawks don't have a lot of, a guy that can, you know, create offense. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, here's the other thing. I mean, the Blackhawks can ride this out with them and see how the rest of the season goes. You know, like if if it's a second rounder, then that certainly changes the conversation a little bit. But if you're going to trade a third or fourth rounder and that's what's available. Keep them. Let them walk if you lose them. Yeah. And, and the Blackhawks, you know, I, I think they want to finish as high as they can because, you know, like, it's going to be Columbus's pick, and they don't want to just hand them a top <laughs> ten pick. Like, there, I, I feel like there's some incentive to that. You know, like they they, they see like there's not much reality becoming one of the two worst teams in the league, even if you traded everyone. Like, it's just that's kind of gone at this point. So, uh, I I think you know the Blackhawks, you know, they can play this out and kind of reassess too, and and maybe you don't, you know, it, it's it's all about the sample size, you know, like at this point, the larger sample size since that first season is probably Strom hasn't produced as much. And now we're finally, um, you know, like we have, we see a few weeks where Strom's really been back on it. And, and it's about the consistency, you know, like what do we, what do we see over Strom? Like the, maybe they take all of February. Like the, the, this is a trade that probably doesn't happen until March. There's no rush on it. Right. Yeah. yeah like they're like, the, you have all these games, see where it's at. Um, and maybe Kane has something to say about this too, you know. Like it's yeah. if 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 he feels good about Strom being a center, and and the faceoffs do matter. Like it's I, I like you've seen, um, you know, other than Taves and you know Camp Camp got pretty good at faceoffs, but there there hasn't been anyone there. And 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 you've seen Strom being given like Strom's taken more faceoffs than Taves has the last week, I think, or um, where where that responsibility is falling on him too. So um, it, it does matter. So let, let me ask you this: I mean. The- you know, you could you could look at his this the the larger the his the more history you look at, the easier it is to paint things the way you want it to see. And the Hawks have let plenty of guys go that we thought were going to be good players that never panned out. From mm-hmm. you know the Marco Danos and you know guys like that of the world. But there's also Tavo Teravainen, who was fine when he was with Chicago, and after a few years in the NHL, became a very good player. There's Ryan Hartman, who was a first round pick, who was fine for the Blackhawks. Kind of we bounced knew around. Teravainen was going to be a stud. Like we that thought so, that. but he was also like 110 pounds, so you didn't really know that for sure. Yeah, now his creativity. I, it's Ryan Hartman. You know, it's it's taken until he's like 27, 28 years old. Now he's an elite goal scorer. You know, driving a line with Kirill Kaprizov on him. Like he's a really good player now. There are a lot of guys like that that you know you see that the Hawks gave up on too early. You've talked about Gustav Forsling a lot. I know defensemen are a little different, but you know, isn't there something to be said for not letting another, you know, talented, enigmatic, maddening, but tantalizing player just walk or lose for a fourth round pick. Just at, at the, some the point, age you got matters though. Like the age between 21 and I mean, 25 yeah, but isn't it, that old. You're, you're basically coming. Like, I, I guess from the analytics and all that stuff, like your prime ends when like you're 27 or something. Like they're like what, what Ryan Hartman is doing right now is is, is extraordinary. He's 27. Like he's, he's 27 years old, and he's in baseball. I'm, that's your magic season, right? It's 27. Your age yeah. 27 seasons when you're at your best. Like he's figured out how to play with one of the league's best players, and and, yeah. and all the credit to him. Um, but I, I don't think anyone's saw this coming, and and I don't think you. I don't. I I think as a 21, 22 year old that you. Uh, even younger. I mean, when, when Tara Vinen, like they, they had an idea with Tara Vinen. They just needed to get rid of Bickle's contract. Forsling and those type of examples, I think, are more fitting where they, they, they certainly, you know, just moved on from guys too quickly. Um, yeah, I don't know, 24, 25, like it's, uh, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Strom is what he is. Like this is, I, I think, 
like the hope is that he's like he finds consistency and he can play at this level for a long time because we've seen him play consistent and we've seen him like I don't think Strom's gonna be um a much different player than he's ever been like I don't know if he like it's ever gonna but it, but his his ceiling is it's really good offensively you know um it just it it, it becomes inconsistent so I, I don't know it, I don't know if Strom evolves from be... a standpoint that he like he like Hartman has physical gifts and he you know he had something that was a pedigree as a first rounder and it didn't click and he finally figured out Teravinen had a lot of offensive skills Strom thinks the game at a high level like he 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 knows how to play offensively there's limitations to the game that are probably never going to change it's just whether that he can find that consistency and you have to you have to stick him with the top like he he needs to play with good players like yeah. he just eh. Um, well, when it comes out, it comes down to me, and I keep harping on this: is you know, even when the Blackhawks traded Tara Vinen, they had an amazing depth of talent on that team. Still, like they could absorb that. They can't years down the road they're feeling it, but at the time they could absorb losing Tavo Tara Vinen. He was a role player to them. This team, as currently constituted, has so little offense and so little depth scoring, and has so little on the way other than Lucas Reichel that I just I don't. Even for all of Strom's obvious faults, they need someone like him, and they're not going to get something like him for this, you know, for him, and they're not going to get something like him at free agency for any cheaper than him. So I say stick with the guy you've invested. Well, in well here's the other question: and hope he can come it, through. It has to become of what Kyle Davidson or whoever the next GM is. How how long do you envision? Like, where do you imagine the next? Like successes are going to be. Is it going to be next season? Is it two years from now? Is it you know like are you going to take a step back again next season? Like you're gonna you're gonna play Reichel minutes or you're, you know like you're just um you know whoever you trade like are you going to go replace those guys with better players or are you just going to maybe suck for a year and, and next year's draft is supposed to be incredible? Like I, I've heard there's reasons not to be involved in this draft as much as like you mm. you want that top ten pick next year. Um like I, like is that the plan? Like like where where is Dylan Strom allowing you to float? Um, you know, for a couple more years where you'd rather just, you know, drown and then, and then, you know, and then you, you, you restock. So I think it has to be a larger vision too. Like if Dylan Strom is there just cause you, you need offense, um, but this team's going nowhere. But if, but if you envision that Dylan Strom can fit in a place that it's a, it's a winning team, you know, like can he, can he fit a hole that's, it's part of a winning team and there's a recipe there. Then, then yeah, I think you resign him. I, I, but I think the larger picture has to be in mind. Like it's like, you know, where does this cap fit? cap it fit in the larger scheme uh, are we going to use it elsewhere how do we envision this team like uh, like I, I think Kyle Davidson has some realistic views of this team and 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 that's I think that all comes into play too where they you know like what they do with with Strom here well here's here's a proposal that we always talk about that never seems to actually happen they don't have to qualify him they could let him become a UFA and then resign him for less like that is yeah. a, that is a thing we talked they were, they were going to do that with Anthony Duclair they didn't they were going to do that with uh Pew Suter and they didn't so it doesn't tend to happen there's usually some hard feelings Dylan Strom really likes it in Chicago, even with the way they've treated him. And they've treated him poorly, or at least the very least they've managed him poorly. Jeremy Colleton, Stan Bowman, and Derek King to a much lesser extent. Derek King believes in him a little bit more than Colleton did. But they've managed – he likes it here. His best friend is yeah, here. I His also, life I also is don't here. think it's fair. Like, Strom didn't – like, it's like no, like he, it's he, not he, entirely – He, like, he did like, not – I don't want, I don't mean to imply he was completely screwed over by the Blackhawks. I mean, he, <laughs> he, this, yeah. this again, this is not a perfect player, but he was also managed pretty poorly. I think they've, they have handled him poorly over the last – since they decided they wanted to trade him, they have not put him in a position to succeed very often until recently. And look, he's succeeding. So – like, do you envision any way where you kind of like make a handshake deal where we're not going to qualify you, but we'll bring you back on a three year at $2 million cap hit? Is that something he's willing to do? Like you have to entertain these ideas because 
he is a useful player and the Blackhawks don't have a ton of useful players. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, it's yeah, it's possible for sure. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't I, think I, guess... I don't think if he goes if he becomes a UFA, you know, there's not going to be another unless it's like Arizona trying to get to the cap floor, and it's not going to be Arizona because he'll never go back to Arizona after what happened with him in Arizona. But nobody's going to hand him a four year, sixteen million dollar contract. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. I, and I and I think this larger stretch is going to kind of be telling. You know, like like are the Blackhawks going to commit a top six spot to Dylan Strom uh, if he's playing like this over the next month? Yeah, I think it makes you hesitate a little bit more. Um, if he doesn't, then you know, like no one's gonna do that anyways. Too like, like regardless of what team he plays for next season, like you have to, you have to be willing to commit. You know, like a large power play role and a large, you know, top six role, and um, and knowing, um, yeah, it's 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 whether Dylan Strom the way that he plays, whether whether you can win with that. You know, like there's no proof that even when Dylan Strom was playing well here, like the Blackhawks have haven't won, and that's yeah, not necessarily no, right. Dylan Strom's fault. It's just it never the team as a as it's been comprised hasn't been successful so um i think that's the question too is that like uh, there has to be better talent around dylan strome for a team to succeed but like there has to be proof that that you can win with him in a top six role too so i think the next month will be telling because i yeah i don't think uh, you know we're so and i think we, we both of our sources have told us that you know like it's so early to have these discussions that the blackhawks do have you know 10 15 more games to kind of assess where strome is and if strome's producing at a point a game again over the next you know like you have a month month and a half uh you know sample size then yeah i think you sit back and like maybe we need to reassess this and, and if he can be that player and it's and it's always been about consistency for him because yeah um it, it's like yeah we we see glimpses of this and be like wow yeah dylan strome needs he's, to be a top he, six he's, he's got a little mitch trubisky in him doesn't he where it's like every <laughs> now it's like oh i see it now i see it and then it's like the next three games god why does he do that yeah so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting you know like i've seen them they play colorado again and they um, you know, like there, there's some tough games coming up, but either way, like there's enough of a sample size that I think we can say in a month from now, it'd be like, yeah, Dylan Strom should certainly, yeah, should, you should be in discussion for the future or, yeah. or yeah, like it just, it, it's too helter skelter and you need to, you need to pass on, you know? So, well, I'm sure we won't have anything to talk about over the next seven weeks about I'm, this. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not sure how many headlines we've had about Dylan Strom over the last year. Like it's, it, it had been a while. Like I, I had, I had a week there where I was, I was a little overdoing it probably. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny. Like even yesterday I was, I was looking through the stories today and it's like, oh, we just talked about the Han trade. Like our minds yeah. are like, like the season's over. With I, yeah, I know. It's all, we're, we're just here. I think we're used to it because like usually the trade deadlines in like fe- mid to late February. So like in January, our brains like our circadian rhythm is like okay, it's trade deadline time. Yeah, but the deadline's so not late not this, this year. They're so far behind the like yeah. they just. Well, they, I think they, that's why I think that's why I keep coming back to Dylan Strom is he's interesting. This is not a team that's interesting. Like the Mark Andre Fleury situation, sure that's interesting. Kane and Taze, well that's that's a year away that discussion. Dylan Strom is an interesting thing. Like we just talked about him for twenty minutes because. It's really hard to pin down just what he is, what he's worth, what he's going to get you on the. Like, he's just, it's just an interesting player. And and as you mentioned, they lack offensive. I mean, th- yeah. there's Reichel and there's nothing else coming. I mean, Nylander is gone now, and 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 Kubalik's probably gone. Yeah. Um. You know, like there's just not a lot of. Uh, you're gonna you know, get like you're gonna get a better pick for Kubalik than you are for Strom. Yeah, because there, there's thirty goals. But, but, but again, if Dylan Strom goes out for the next month and and produces something, and and someone's like. Or, or you know, it all comes down to injuries too, and who yeah. needs what at the deadline. Like if you see him as a rental, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like if Stillman Strom's producing, where he's not not that he's having four point hat trick nights every night, but <laughs> if he's consistently producing and he's playing with, and, and you know, and the quote I had in the from the scout in the story was, it's like you're playing him with Kane and and, and Hagel, and and if he can't play with those guys, then he can't play because you know that 
you can't push him down in the lineup. So he needs to produce. So if he's, you know, if he's consistently producing with those guys and, and um, yeah, being, you know, winning faceoffs and playing power play and doing, uh, doing enough away from the puck, then I, I think, I think for a contender, like you, uh, he, he may be a more affordable option than, than some of the other, you know, kind of rental yeah. offensive pieces. So, um, yeah, I think the next month will be telling about his future with the organization or what they can get. And, um, yeah, it'll certainly give us something more interesting <laughs> to talk about. So. And who knows what the next GM will think too. So there's always, that. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 we can, you wrote about the Han and there'll be a lot of time to talk about the trade deadline. So we won't go crazy. You ready um, for Dylan Secura's revenge game tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, Colorado coming to Nathan McKinnon is hurt. So oh, Secure they, re- they recall Dylan Secure to replace Nathan McKinnon. He's finally going to live up to the, to the 17 years of hype you gave him. Uh, he he is. I, he's he's at a point in a game in the uh, in the American League. Like he's he's a really good American League. Player. He's Brandon. Like he just, he, he's he's he is Brandon Peary, Jeremy Moore, and it's like there's like a lineage there of guys yeah, that are just, just really good AHL players that haven't been able to do it in the NHL. Yeah, he just he, he struggles to get inside, and I, and I don't think I you know like I I certainly kind of reassessed my own like I I was certainly learning as a hockey. Uh, hockey writer too. I think it's, uh, it's well. Stan Bowler said he was the next big thing. Told him, told him. Remember at a, at a draft one year, he's like, "We don't need to make a free agent splash. We got Dylan Secura coming." So yeah, no. Well, th- 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 Joel Quinville went to. Go. I remember being at a game in, at Northeastern. Joel Quinville was there, and he's like, "Yeah, you came away." I, I, I think I don't think anyone really understood that he, his challenge that he had at going inside. Like he was just so yeah. much athletically and, and faster and smarter than a lot of players that in college he can make up for it. And he he struggled to get inside, and, and certainly. Um, so yeah, good for him though. Yeah. I mean, if he obviously getting a call up in Colorado is not a bad thing either, yeah, no you kidding. know, like he, he played some, uh, he played some playoff games for Vegas last year. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, that's, if, if you can make a few bucks on the side, that's not a bad thing. So, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, more to come and, uh, I'll be at all-star weekend next weekend. So yeah, I'll have some stuff exciting. from there. Uh, uh, they can't keep me away from Vegas apparently. And, yeah. uh, so yeah, more coming seven, eight weeks of trade deadline hype. Brace yourselves. Hold on to your butts. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, until next time, I'm Mark Lazarus. That's Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers. See ya. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?